The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. Welcome to the best show on the SB Nation NFL show feed. It is Monday Football Monday. He is Pete Sweeney. He is Michael Kiss. I am RJ Ochoa. You are our loyal listener. And because you are our loyal listener, we know that you have subscribed, rated, and written a review for the SB Nation NFL show. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Go leave a rating, write a review, be honest. We appreciate the honesty. We know that we're great. We know the podcast is weird. And since it's Thanksgiving week, tell us what the SB Nation NFL shows you know shows would be in terms of thanksgiving side dishes me personally i think this show is the dressing you know stuffing whatever <laughs> your cup of tea is however you want to call it but guys it is time to eat some dressing it is the monday after week 11 michael kissed how are you feeling can we just say that cranberry sauce canned cranberry sauce is the only real cranberry sauce there is no other that's what that's what you eat there right. on thanksgiving just that slap. Right, right. I'm not a fan in general, but I'm so I'm fine. You know, like caping for you. Like I, you know what I mean. Like I, I don't personally eat that, but I'll be on your team just to give you, you know, more numbers. You know what I mean. I would rather talk about this for 45 minutes than the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm <laughs> thankful that I have this outlet to where I can at least talk about Thanksgiving food, other NFL teams. Again, if you want to hear me rant and curse and get upset about the <laughs> Eagles. Uh, Bleeding Green Nation is the spot to be, baby. No one wants to talk about the Eagles, but I am excited about Thursday. I, too, will be getting sauced, and I mean cranberry sauce with the turkey, of course. And speaking of turkey, and and you want to compare SB Nation NFL shows to Thanksgiving dishes, the turkey is Monday Football Monday. This um, is the main event, baby. <laughs> I mean, you may get some sides later on in the week. You may get a dessert with the fantasy show. This is the main course, uh, just like... The Kansas City Chiefs, which are the turkey of the National Football League. I don't disagree with the fact that we are the turkey. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I actually tweeted this during the Cowboys game. I discovered dressing stuff, and that's why I'm kind of new to this, about three years ago. So, you know, I haven't been eating it all my life. And the first time I had it, it was this moment of, what have you been doing? Why have you been missing out? And so I'm just trying to make up for lost time. Pete, I think the analogy fits better through your lens. Uh, maybe that's because your lens is always through that of the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's talk about them. How about those Chiefs? <laughs> Get the big win on Sunday night football against big brother, the Las Vegas right. Raiders. Little brother, Derek Carr, 35-31. to The final score, the game-winning touchdown, Patrick Mahomes 
to Travis Kelsey. Too much for the Raiders to handle. You always bet on red. The Raiders are the only place where the house loses in Vegas. All the puns, all the <laughs> jokes. Pete Sweeney, your thoughts as the main man over at Arrowhead Pride. Well, Chiefs Raiders, it all started with Busgate. I don't know if you guys heard about this on the <laughs> national landscape, yes. but only Chiefs fans are sensitive enough to take this type of thing personally. <laughs> Apparently, the Raiders drove their bus around Arrowhead Stadium, which may as well be called the Church of Kansas City if you live in Missouri. So they disrespected the church and it made the rounds. Andy Reid spoke about it and the Chiefs went to Vegas really like men on a mission, it seemed like. And a lot of people in Kansas City were predicting a dominant performance, which did not happen. Let's be very clear about this. This was not a team dominating performance but i did learn three things i think from the game i think somehow the chiefs offense is better than last year which is amazing to say i think travis kelsey and tyree kill at the same time are having the best years of their careers patrick mahomes is reading the game a bit better than he ever has and that's trouble when he's able to prepare so well before the game and make adjustments in game i think that's scary for any team in the nfl Here's the problem, and this is the second thing. The Chiefs' defense might be worse than last year, and nobody is playing well. They're not getting pressure from their high-salaried uh, players, such as Frank Clark and Chris Jones, and it's making a young secondary look worse. Tyron Matthew is not playing as he did last year, and you're seeing teams like Derek Carr and the Raiders. Carr comes into the game throwing 100 and change in three straight games, and he rips off 275 and three touchdowns. That is happening against the Kansas City Chiefs. Another point of that is it, it sometimes doesn't matter because of Patrick Mahomes and how good he is. You give him one minute and 43 seconds and a timeout. A lot of people would have told you prior to that game-winning drive that he's scoring. Finally, and this is just me being fair, the Raiders are a legitimate playoff team in the AFC. I, this is something I've been saying all year, and they're a good enough football team. If the playoffs started tomorrow, it would be the Raiders visiting the Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card round because there aren't two buys anymore and the Steelers are still undefeated. They would get the bye and the Chiefs would host that game. And who knows? You never know when teams play each other three times. That's one of the oldest football cliches. But right now, you got to feel good about the Kansas City Chiefs. If the Chiefs are going to repeat, the defense needs to play better. It's not going to work against some of the better teams in the NFL. The Raiders are undefeated at Arrowhead Stadium this year. Um, the Chiefs are not. These are just these are simple facts. Jeez. <laughs> Kissed after the game, Derek Carr shared the meme of himself um, that everybody was oh, sharing. Yeah. Um, the the kind of glazed over Huba steak look. looking, yeah, um, looking photo. Th- there's there's a quality to Derek Carr. You know, like he's trying to roll with the punches here, and it somehow makes him a little bit less likable. You know what I mean? Like even even being so willing to like trash himself, just kind of it's like, no, you're not doing it right. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that thought. Are you equally impressed with the Raiders? All denim that he wore that one time with the country music video and all that <laughs> stuff. Like he's just mm. a cornball. Like, okay, it's fine, whatever. Can the guy play quarterback or not? That's a, that's the question. I think we're seeing a totally different quarterback that I'm used to seeing with Derek Carr. The Derek Carr I remember was a one-read guy that if he had to get past the second read, you know, his brain just melted like it was in a microwave. This new Derek Carr, it's like finally choosing ham over turkey for Thanksgiving. Now, most mm. turkey is bad. My wife makes a delicious uh, turkey, so I won't say that. But ham mm. is the ultimate uh, Thanksgiving feast. And we're starting to see that. 
from oh. Derek Carr. He has made that upgrade. He is pushing the ball downfield. I have never seen him create so well outside of structure. He's doing that incredibly well. Uh, John Gruden can apparently coach his butt off. And I was wondering this whole game, like, why why is this Chiefs defense so lost against the Raiders? And maybe it's just not the Raiders. And like, yeah, there, there was things like the, the goal line mesh concept where they got the touchdown, for example. Really tough on defenders because they're trying to fit the run while they've got a t- uh, tight end sprinting away from them. But just in general, it seems like Gruden knows all the buttons to push not only against the Chiefs, but also with Derek Carr to get him to come out of his shell and play like a different quarterback. It's it's an exciting offense, and Pete is shaking his head. But like, what do you think? Is it just the Chiefs, or like, has Gruden really figured them out? I think the Chiefs' defense is playing poorly right okay. now. I really yeah. do. I also think this is a new model of the car, and this is something <laughs> that the Raiders ought to tap into. More than when they're just playing the Chiefs. Why doesn't he play like that every week? Because if he did, then he would not have to be a meme and look like the Undertaker on Twitter. I I find that Gruden should try to be tapping into this version every week. Yeah, I mean, remember when they beat the Chiefs the first time? And Pete, I said, I wonder if this is just going to be like an outlier because it was right, and it, and it came back again. Why only the? Why only <laughs> against the Kansas City Chiefs? Either way, I actually have a question for you. For you, Pete, every team has a guy that like they give a bunch of snaps to, and you don't know why, right? Like the Eagles have linebacker Nick Gary, the Browns have safety Andrew Sandejo. There, yes. There's there's two guys on the Chiefs that they can't seem to quit. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here, but I know I think I know who you're going to say. Okay, guess the two. One on offense, one on defense. Oh, one on offense, one on defense. So Patrick Mahomes bit, and De- Demarcus Robinson on offense. Uh huh. And then either Ben Neiman or Dan Sorensen on defense. Even though Sorensen had the final pick. It's Sorensen, and look, that pick was just kind of like a, a throw right. up, you know, that situation. What, yeah. why, why are why are they so committed to these guys? It doesn't seem like to me that they're that they're like legitimate guys that should be getting snaps on the Super Bowl champs. If you ask the Chiefs, both would both players would fit the bill, and the coaching staff would say they've been here for years and know the system really well. Yeah. Sorensen's a a film junkie. He made a key play in the division round last game on or last year on the fake punt against the Houston Texans. And then same thing with D-Rob. When you're a skill position player in the Chiefs offense, you need to know every single position. This is something they make a big deal about. Tight ends, running backs, wide receivers with Andy Reid. He's just been here for a couple of years and knows all the the positions. But you're right. He, to me, stands out as very unspectacular on an otherwise spectacular offense. And so I agree. And he also costs up an interception. So even the stuff <laughs> you think he knows, he doesn't know, right? The, right. the comeback doesn't come to the right stand, make, makes Patrick Mahomes look Clearly like Robinson's fault. <laughs> clear. <laughs> like, couldn't be more clear that that was Robinson's fault. Patrick Mahomes blamed them both after the game. So he did the right thing there. Pete, um, did Sorensen not have the game ceiling interception in Mexico against the Chargers last year? Am I misremembering that? Or, or was it not him on the on Philip Rivers' pass to Austin Eckler? I think it was. Sorensen's making a habit of having game-winning interceptions against division rival teams on the road wearing the Chiefs away uniforms in stadiums they're playing in for the first time because he did that <laughs> against the Chargers and he did it against the Raiders. So pretty cool there. It's funny you bring that game up. Last point on this, because in that game in week 11, the defense was playing like this, and that was the turning point. 
this was week 11 this year, and the, the turning point has not happened. And it's yeah. concerning if you're a Chiefs fan. Well, what was more concerning to me was that Kist is more of a ham man when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner. But That I'll was that the hottest slide. take so far. Yeah, that was the hottest take so far, and a bad one at that. Anyway. Pete, you <laughs> mentioned the turning point for the Chiefs last year. I think on a superficial level, a lot of people would say it was the loss of the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans did not lose on Sunday. They went into Baltimore for the second time in a calendar year and got the dub the Baltimore Ravens are soft that's what people are saying 30 to 24 the final score the Titans bouncing back obviously they had a long time to think about their embarrassing loss to the Indianapolis Colts we'll get to them in a second uh, but the Baltimore Ravens now six and four and everybody is asking the same question Kist and we need you the expert to answer it and I'm sure that you and Kyle will uh well this week's a little bit weird with Thanksgiving and everything but at some point you'll get into the Lamar Jackson struggles on the podcast what is what is wrong what is the problem Fix it. Fix it. Yeah, for the Ravens, another up and up and down day for Lamar. And look, we, we did spend a bunch of time on this on the Palpably Unfair podcast last week with special guest Mike Renner of PFF, who wrote a great piece asking the question, if defenses have figured out Lamar, if the book is out on Lamar. Uh, and, and that should give you some context in terms of the blueprint teams are using. Just to break it down real quick, uh, the teams are doing what the 2018 Chargers did in the playoffs against them. They're using mm. lighter box. They're going, you know, speedier type of defensive sets with their personnel. They're using dime package. The Ravens are seeing uh, dime packages used against them at a much higher rate than they have over the past couple of years. They're also playing more man coverage against them, and the Ravens are, are unable to separate. Lamar is right now a better anticipation thrower, a better placement thrower against zones, but he's having trouble making teams pay against man, and they also really don't have the talent to separate against man. If you look at that wide receiver group, your number two wide receiver is really Sneed, and they've also lost a tight end in the process. You know, they lost right. uh, uh, one last week. Nick so, Boyle. Right, and it, it's starting to feel like it's going to take them an offseason season to kind of reconfigure things and become that top-tier offense again because they sure haven't figured it, figured it out this year how to counterpunch it. Remember, one and two since the bye when they had time to tinker with it. So their stock is probably the lowest it's been despite being very competitive in this one. And hey, hashtag tighten up, baby, because for the for the defense for the Ravens, no Calias Campbell, no Brandon Williams for the Ravens, two big pieces on that defensive line. What do you get? You get Derrick Henry busting you off for 133 and a game-winning <clears throat> touchdown. It wasn't hard to tell that they were going to struggle contain him for 60 plus minutes and look I don't know if everybody knows what XYAC from next gen stats is but basically using player tracking for each reception they assign an expected amount of yardage that a player should get so let's say AJ Brown catches the ball at the nine yard line and immediately right. has a player hugging him his expected yak is something like zero or one now let's say that AJ Brown sheds three tackles and waltzes a guy into the end zone his actual yak is nine the next gen takes that difference of eight or nine and averages out against all his other receptions and efforts after the catch. After seeing after seeing that effort that he had on that touchdown, is there any surprise when I say that this man's 3.5 X yak per reception is leading the league by a full yard? I would rather try to tackle a 10-point buck before I tried to wrangle him. He is a stallion. Go Titans. Let's go, baby. 
everyone appreciates the math lesson kissed. Um, and <laughs> that is a really impressive statistic. Um, certainly, shout out to Next Gen Stats, of course. Pete, quickly, before I get to you, kissed. I think we're going to hear the take of this is why nobody hired Greg Roman last year. And obviously, when the coaching cycle comes around, if, if this version of the Ravens continues out for the most important month of the season, um, the, the lights are brighter, the tension is, is higher, etc. Do you, do you, what do you see as Greg Roman's future? I think, you know, like to, to talk about the Chiefs like we did, Eric Bieniemy's stock has continued to rise, whereas Greg Roman's has not. And I'm just, the, those takes are percolating, and I want you to ready yourself. He's still a very viable, head coaching option I personally wouldn't love him as a head coach but you're right as far as other guys that are zooming past them we'll talk about it Matt Eberflus defensive coach for the Colts uh, Brian Go. Dable the offensive coordinator for the Bills like you mentioned Bienemy has always been a hot name and he's only getting hotter so I think there are guys that are kind of moving past him right now Arthur Smith of the Titans as well Pete are you scared of the Titans considering that about a year ago they went into uh, KC and did the thing I don't think so I don't think so. I think the Chiefs are still a better team than Tennessee right now. And we talked about how Chiefs and Raiders starts with Busgate. I mean, this started with Logo Gate. Do you guys know about the Titans coming in and stomping on the logo? John oh, Harbo had yep. to come out and say, hey, guys, get off my logo. This should have been a thing that ticked the, tit- the Ravens off. It, yeah. d- it didn't. Not enough. Titans not only stomped on their logo, they stomped them out. With the Ravens, we've been waiting for Mark Andrews to look like a formidable threat for a while. He had his first touchdown since week five, led the team with... 96 yards, but that's burying the lead for this week's come up of the week winner, RJ. Do it with me, man. Throw up them X's. It's yes. Hernandez Bryant. Four come catches up. for 28 yards. Second on the team. Good for good for Dez on the Titans side. AJ Brown. Maybe the best touchdown of the season. They broke the three tackles you had mentioned it. McNichols pushing him into the end zone. Only thing he could say. Uh, Kiss is X yakety yak. Don't talk back, my man. Wow. Titans, the only sack of the day came on a Harold Landry blitz in overtime, and it was a big one because the Titans happen to have Derrick Henry. And for me, Henry was the big deal in this game because through three quarters, he only had 44 yards and 18 carries, 52 yards in the fourth quarter, the 29 yarder in overtime to seal it. The final line, uh, 133 yards on 28 carries. Here's the not-so-fun fact of the day in the AFC. If the playoffs started today, the Ravens would be eighth and out. They wouldn't be in the playoffs for this team that was one of the AFC Super Bowl contenders last year. So really interesting how it's playing out. It's going to lead to a very nice stretch for the end of the season. The stat heard around the world, Derrick Henry is the first running back with two rushing touchdowns to win the game in overtime in the same season. Uh, so if you're bracing and preparing for takes, get ready for the you can pay running backs take because uh, that is floating out there in the ether as well. Pete, you mentioned it. I'm glad you did. Shout out to Des Bryant, his first receptions uh, since the last regular season game the Philadelphia Eagles played. Mentioned without, it. He uh, won uh, the most prestigious award of Monday Football Monday. I didn't only mention it. This is the come up of the week winner. Well, so, so I, congratulations, I, Des. I mentioned last week that I was going to start doing a green jacket of the week in, in lieu of the Masters. And so <laughs> my green jacket of the week is the come up of the week because it went to oh, Des Bryant. So okay. congratulations, right. Pete. Uh, the highest honor that this show can award. Um, honestly, though, the highest honor that we're all striving for is the Monday Football Monday Picks Champion. We've been in a season long race, as a lot of people are. And uh, well, it was. Um, 
It was a blood-filled Sunday, to say the least. I was the only person to correctly predict the Tennessee Titans to get the dub, so sorry to you losers. I also was the only person to pick the Indianapolis Colts. Kissed, you mentioned Matt Eberflus. I believed. 34-31 to 31 the final score. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are frauds. Uh, it was an impressive performance by the Colts, uh, riding the wave that they garnered off of the win against the Titans last week on Thursday Night Football. The Colts are a serious threat. I think that they are maybe, everyone looks at them and says, oh, definitely a playoff team. Um, And I think a lot of people are so quick to crown the Titans as the AFC South champion, but kissed, the Colts are lurking. Congratulate me. I'm all over the charcuterie board this week. Yeah, you you killed the charcuterie board. I did not. That's fair. (laughs) I had a a momentary lapse. Who was your lone charcuterie board pick, kissed? Because I know the answer. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I believe you picked a potato head. As your lone charcuterie board. Tell pick. tell the truth. You don't have to be lying on this one. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll tell you what. The, that game was lost when they came out with the game plan of we're going to run Adrian Peterson five times in the first eight or nine plays. Hey, <laughs> brother, put it on Stafford. For the love of God. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer picking the Lions this year. I don't care what happens. All right. Going back to this Green Bay Colts game. Nobody wanted to win this game. Uh, it was like the Chargers were playing the Chargers. The, the pack had a 28 to 14 lead at the half. The Colts were up and had to drive with something like five offensive penalties and had to punt when they could have put it away, leading to the game tying drive by the Packers. And then MVS fumbles in OT, just a bizarre sequence of events all around for both sides. I mean, in the first half, the first drives were fumble pack, fumble Colts. There were six turnovers total in this thing, four of them coming from the pack. And the other weird thing, only six points off of those four turnovers for the Colts. A couple of thoughts. Uh, Philip Rivers isn't washed. He's just a lunatic. He outplayed <laughs> Rodgers despite getting uh, knocked out of this game briefly with an injury where Jacoby Brissett had to come in. Uh, Packers have had an issue punching back this year. Uh, as our friends at Acme Packing Company noted in their recap, it was good to see them face some adversity and not completely fold. I thought that was encouraging on their part. I don't think they're 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 frauds, as as RJ joked about. Uh, they put up serious numbers in the first half against this Colts defense, who have a great argument for best in the league. But that Colts defense then held down the fort in the second half, only allowing three points. Again, defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus should be another name being thrown around in the head coach hunt this season. Shout out Julian Blackman, rookie safety for the Colts. He's a baller, super fun to watch on film. Colts are pretty uh, a pretty good tier two team. And that's really mm-hmm. nothing to sneeze at. And it's and it's hard to talk about these teams, even like with the Steelers, who are 10-0. and 0. I think they're like one of the worst 10-0 and 0 football teams that I've seen. They're always playing down to their competition. They struggle with the Cowboys. Uh, that Jacksonville game wasn't nearly as dominant as the score would say. You put them kind of in the league with the Colts, but it's like Chiefs and then everybody else. And it's hard to talk about everybody else because it's, can you beat the Chiefs? I don't think the Colts can, but they're not that far off, I guess. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen that movie Sky High? You know what I'm talking about? Um, with no. the superheroes. It's a nope. it's a high school about superheroes, right? Like you go to this high school right. to, to like learn superhero powers or whatever, and they sort you like kind of a la Harry Potter into heroes or sidekicks, and that's like you know, and so you go down that path like the rest of your career. And to your point, Chris, I think the Colts would would be a sidekick because you know there's only one right. hero this season, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Pete, were you um? Were you impressed by the Colts? Were you are you worried about the Packers? How are you feeling? Thank you for throwing it to me, RJ. We'd probably be a known Hufflepuff guy, right? If we're, if we're sorting in the Harry Potter, maybe world. the meanest thing um, you've ever said to me. Wow. 
I I think Cedric Diggory Nation stand up. I think so I have a so I have a little bit of a hot take here. I think yes, there are teams out there who could use an Eberflu shot, but I'm not a big fan of the defensive head coach. This is 2020. I think you got to keep it with the offense. Trying to push for my guy Eric Bieniemy. Packers Colts. You know, first we had Busgate. Then we had Logo Gate. You know, there was a little bit of compliment gate in this. After the Packers beat the 49ers earlier in the season, Aaron Rodgers could be heard telling reporters that Fred Warner is you know, the best linebacker in the league. Mm. Colts linebacker Darius Leonard Ooh. supposedly did not like this. He finishes with six tackles, a pass defense, and a fumble uh, recovery. This is a game to me that means a lot more, just my opinion, for the Colts than it does the Packers. Sure. I think the Packers are going to be there. Uh, but this was a game where Green Bay had a 28-14 to 14 lead. And then you have later in the game what is the Rodgers moment, like similar to Mahomes had, but Mahomes finished the deal. But with the, the Hail Mary type of pass to MVS, they get the tying field goal. It really felt like something that the Colts were going to blow, but they didn't. Uh, Squints got the 39-yard field goal, and the Colts <laughs> walk off with the win. And to me, um, Philip Rivers is in a good place in Indy because of the defense and what the defense means to the Indianapolis Colts. I felt like in San Diego, it was always up to Rivers to like save the day, yeah, sure. miraculously will the team to victory. In Indy, he's got to take care of the football, orchestrate clean drives, get it into the hands of one of the six, six to 19 running backs they have, and you're good to go. Um, the defense is that good. Yeah, the first half was bad. Love the three points the entire second half. The defense also forced three fumbles and an interception. And to me, this is a formula that can work for the Indianapolis Colts. If you want to put the Chiefs and the Steelers 1A, 1B, I know people would disagree with that. Hard to argue. 10 and 0 for the Steelers. That's fine. The Colts are this very quiet and getting louder number three team that I think needs to be on your radar. So I've got a fun stat. You mentioned like it's always on rivers in in with the Chargers. This was this was a stat that I tweeted out a year ago. So from 1994 to 2019, down one score, last two minutes of the game, no quarterback has more attempts than Philip Rivers. He has 255 throws in that last ditch scenario. 48 more attempts than any other quarterback in that span. He lived in that world for a long time, and it was pretty unfair to him. I agree. Uh, the scenery is totally different in Indianapolis. Yeah, Pete, you talked about the logo gate between the Titans and the Ravens. This The, the idea of that has sort of like remnants of the 06 Chargers um, with the lights out defense when the Patriots <laughs> danced on the Chargers logo uh, after the game. I don't think the Packers are frauds, to be clear. I've just been hurt in the past. And on Sunday night, seeing Jeff Heath almost make a game-winning strip sack on an all-world quarterback just kind of triggered some memories for me. So uh, I apologize for that. I think the Packers are great. I think the Colts are great. I like this matchup in that building. I believe the last time in 2012, Andrew Luck had a game-winning touchdown at the end uh, – in that Bruce Arians year, which when Chuck Pagano was getting better. And so um, it's just, I feel like chaos ensues. You know, there's certain like lighting in Lucas Oil that makes everything go crazy. Uh, we're going to go crazy for a second here. We'll be right back after we take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Monday, Football Monday. We are pleased to be hanging out with you this fine Monday, this fine Tuesday, whenever you're listening. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating, write a review. Michael Kist will personally head down to your house and hug you from a socially distanced perspective. Um, <laughs> boys, they're back. The oh. Dallas Cowboys 
are back. America's team yeah! ahead of America's holiday went up to the land up north, planted their flag. That's Dalton country, baby. The Dallas Cowboys surprising really every Dallas Cowboys fan in the world. <laughs> 31 to 28, the final score. A Dalton to Dalton touchdown. The first time, according to NFL research, mm. that a quarterback and a, and a receiver, a recipient of a, of a pass uh, tight end in this case, with the same last name and first name and Andy Dalton and Dalton Schultz hooked up they won the game this was so much fun a lot of Cowboys fans are team tank uh but you know how football is you get carried away in the emotion you kind of throw caution to the wind it's after 2 a.m whatever happens happens and uh the Cowboys got a win and, and life is good at least for a couple of days before Thanksgiving strikes I have some thoughts but I'm curious Pete I want to start with you your thoughts yeah, on the actual America's team you know announcing their their place in the world right this was a nice appetizer to America's team beating the Raiders on Sunday Night Football but yes uh we talked about Busgate talked about logo gate uh, also talked about compliment gate no gate really here other than the gate that's trapping adam thielen on the vikings because this is an otherworldly receiver that is paired with kirk cousins yeah he's the real deal justin jefferson looks like the real deal my god you just wish they were with any other quarterback in the league i'm not a big kirk cousins guy he was all right in this game the cowboys man i don't get it the red rifle looks good enough <laughs> and even though these teams are so bad in this division. I think in a weird way, maybe this is another hot take for me. The NFC East right now is good for the NFL. This bad division storyline, it happens every couple of years, you know, five to 10 years where the division is just awful. It's a crowd pleaser though. I mean, it just is a different take on football. It feels like you're watching one of those, those small school colleges. Good for the Cowboys to win this game. This is, this is a game that they should not, have won this was one that they needed and now you have this wacky nfc east where everybody has three wins i love it i love watching it i love watching nfc east teams good for the cowboys cousins needs to not have a, a starting job he, he almost should just be a backup in the nfl and that's still with that final drive not being able to get it done you need to get it done against the cowboys that's I, am, I am so tired of having eagles fans tell me well even if the eagles drafted justin jefferson and not jalen rager he wouldn't be doing anything in this offense look at the vikings offense what do you mean look at the vikings offense <laughs> it's kirk cousins man mm -hmm. they're a below average passing attack even with justin jefferson's production even with having a guy like adam thielen bail out Kirk Cousins all the time. This is this is a bad off this is a rushing offense, not a passing offense. So I don't care. You can look at Justin Jefferson and just watch him non-targeted. Watch his routes, watch his releases. The guy is a stud. He's like top five all time for receiving yards in the first 10 games of his career. What else can you say about the guy? He's he's tremendous. But hey, credit to, to the Cowboys. They now bring mm. themselves into the conversation uh, in a division where five wins, possibly six, gets it done. And it's going to be a real slow race to the finish. I have a Kirk Cousins fun, but quickly, the NFC East at this point is the only division since the merger in which every team has the same number of wins and a losing record in a week 11 or later. As we've mentioned, every Love NFC it. East has That's three great. wins at the moment. Also, three wins is the fewest by a division leader through week 11. 
since the merger. Uh, again, a mark that is shared by every single team. I think the uh, we'll get to the you know this in our quick hit section. Joe Burrow obviously lost for the season, but the Cincinnati Ooh. Bengals are playing such a critical role in this NFC East race. And which team's going to win it? Which teams are going to have top five picks? Uh, everybody killed Doug Peterson for the tie he settled for against the Bengals. That is the difference right now. Um, <laughs> you you look at it. The Washington football team was able to beat the Bengals because Joe Burrow left and their offense cratered. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants still both have to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Giants play them this Sunday coming out of their bye. So they are a sneaky sort of role builder in this particular narrative here on the Kirk Cousins thing. So the Dallas Cowboys obviously have had Dak Prescott for a long time. You both know that Andy Dalton is the latest backup quarterback for the team to get a win. Do either of you know the last backup quarterback for the Cowboys to get a win if you don't count Dak Prescott in 2016? Kyle Orton. Wrong, Pete. Oh, he played for the, he played for the Chiefs, Pete. I'll give you that clue. Castle. That's right, Matt Castle. The last oh, two yeah. backup quarterback wins for the Cowboys have come by Andy Dalton on Sunday and Matt Castle in a Monday night game in 2015. Both of those Cowboys wins came against Kirk Cousins-led teams. It was Matt <laughs> Castle in Washington, and it was Andy Dalton in Minnesota. I jokingly handed the Green Jacket of the Week to Pete for the come-up of the week. I'm going to revoke that, and I'm going to put it on the oh, big, wow. sturdy, broad shoulders of Zach Martin. Congratulations to the Dallas Cowboys coaching staff kicking Zach Martin out to right tackle, a move that Mike McCarthy poo-pooed recently. Uh, talked about how this isn't fantasy football. You can't just move guys around like it's Madden or whatever. Zach Martin is, Jerry Jones said last Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas that Ezekiel Elliott was the best player on the team and everybody, I mean, lost their minds because yeah. who, would, who would legitimately think that? Zach right. Martin is undisputed the best player on the Dallas Cowboys. Look like an all-pro at right tackle. Not, you know, he's not flipping sides, not trying to make a huge deal out of this, but that is a hard thing to do. Tony Pollard had 12 yards of carry. You got you to gotta keep that in mind. Tony yeah. Pollard had a nice touchdown in this game. Also, um, Andy Dalton, the latest Cowboys quarterback, again, not named Dak Prescott or Tony Romo, to have multiple passing touchdowns in a single game. The last backup quarterback for the Cowboys to do that was current offensive coordinator Kellen Moore in a game that also came against Kirk Cousins. Uh, so, <laughs> so shout out to Kirk Cousins, I suppose. The NFC East, again, just so interesting here, and I had been on this Bengals bandwagon. We unfortunately lost Joe Burrow uh, for next year, and I, that's going to mean me jumping off the bandwagon. I had jumped onto a different bandwagon last week, and that's of the WFT, and my guy, Alex Smith, and he gets the dub, and then you have this Thanksgiving game leading with the Washington football team versus Dallas, and that would normally be the nap game, where you fall asleep during that game. I'm going to Talk to the American people right now, and I'm going to tell you to stay awake because Alex Smith is about to put on a clinic as he take a, takes a stronghold of this sorry NFC East and continues to solidify. All he would have had to do was make one start, maybe even just back up to be the comeback player of the year. This is going to be the storyline of the NFL as the Washington football team storms into the playoffs. Please, please ha have it. <laughs> a, a quick programming note. Uh, because it is a wonky week as far as the NFL schedule is concerned, we will have content available here on the Espionation uh, NFL show for you on Friday. It won't be your normal cheat sheet episode, but you can expect to hear some Espionation NFL show voices to talk about the Thanksgiving Day game. So look forward to that. Again, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. So boys, the NFC East is the hottest division in the NFL, but the <laughs> most petty division rivalry is without question 
the New Orleans Saints, and the Atlanta Falcons. We have not yet heard the yeet of the week. I am hoping, oh, I have no. bated breath that it is going to come today uh, right here. 24 to 9, the New Orleans Saints get to 8 and 2. The Atlanta Falcons, the embarrassing Atlanta Falcons, fall to 3 and 7. The Falcons social media team had a cute little thing where they, they tweeted out a sequence of photos before the game. I don't know if either of you saw this. Um, and they, they strategically took photos with different members of the Falcons in front of the S on saints um kind of on on the different signing so it looked like the ain'ts in every single instance um sean payton notably retweeted a roddy white tweet from earlier in the week after the game michael kissed your thoughts on Taysom hill the game we all deserved look i'm mad uh i thought we were going to see the slingshot armed drew Brees replaced with the reckless Jameis winston and i was all on board for that viewing i got a, get a like a mad max crank type of feel to it instead we get another guy that isn't throwing the ball downfield it's throwing short of the sticks and yeah they're using Taysom Hill creatively in the run game but they were doing that anyway uh credit to Taysom though he ran the offense the way it's supposed to be run and there's nothing wrong with that I just wanted to see what it looked like with Jameis for my own entertainment ultimately I throw this one away it's the 28th ranked DVOA pass defense of the Atlanta Falcons doing what they do best and it's a dominant performance for a top 10 Saints defense and I've said it before, I'll say it again. This season is all about Sean Payton saying, look at what I'm doing with these limited quarterbacks. Show me some respect. I'm one of the best offensive masterminds in the league. And to that point, you know, I wasn't real impressed with any of the throws that that Taysom Hill made. You know, sitting on my couch, being a quarterback expert as I am, inhaling (laughs) my Swiss rolls during the games, you know, I was just not, I I didn't have a yeet of the week this game. I didn't see one that that stood out. And if one doesn't stand out, if they're not good enough. Uh, It's too sacred of an award, right. I'm, right, I'm not. I'm just not going to give it. I have some standards for my mm. awards, unlike Pete. It's very right. Fair. Yeah, there there is something to be said about having consistency with awards. And every single episode of Monday Football Monday has had a come up of the week. Let's make sure we get that now. There were eight sacks in this game. I mean, that, that's the story of the game. The Saints sacked Matt Ryan eight times. It was twenty four nine. The Falcons have needed to win every game since they started to try to have their own team come up of the year. I guess you would say. But here the Saints are. They're a complete team. They're eight and two. Uh, they lost Drew Brees and they didn't flinch. And I don't know. It feels a little bit like wrong in a way, like a guilty pleasure. Like when, you know, I was coming up in high school and I'm watching the OC and I just like loved it. And I'm like, why do I like the OC? I should be watching sports. I love, I don't just like, I love the QB power system with Taysom Hill. And everyone's supposed to just not like Hill. And why isn't Winston in and Sean Payton, blah, blah, blah. No. Is, that what I, is that what I sound like? <laughs> this is, yes, that's what you sound like. This is a hill I'm willing to die on, baby. No. I lo- I want to see more Taysom Hill. I I think when Drew Brees comes back, maybe there should be series where you just mix in Hill. Hey, you have this whole game plan huh. that you've been working with all week. Bring in the other guy. I saw a great tweet and apologies for who tweeted it. I just saw it quickly on the timeline. Oh, yeah. Here um, we go. And lack ha- of credit here. Have either of you seen the movie Drumline before with Nick Cannon? Oh, my God. Of course I have. Yes. No. Speaking well, of guilty pleasures, that's so, a good segue. Well, I was on the drumline in high school, and they make you sign this thing that says, like, at any time the rest of your life that an opportunity comes up to talk about being on the drumline in high school, you have to reference that you were on the drumline <laughs> in high school. And so it was it was a clip from that movie, um, and it was the clip where, where Nick Cannon is teaching the bass drummer, like, how to play, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, you got to love your drum. And the, it was that clip, and the tweet said... Jameis Winston teaching Taysom Hill how to play quarterback. And it was so funny. It, 
<laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> um, I, this was a weird game, honestly. And the pettiness, I, speaking from uh, an outside perspective, I don't understand the pettiness. I, I honestly feel bad for the Bucks and the Panthers that they aren't part of this like hatred that the Saints and, and Falcons have. I love division rivalries like this. The Falcons are embarrassing. I, I can't help but think that, that we are watching Matt Ryan's last days there. Um, and I'll be fascinated to see where he ends up. I think everybody will be quick to connect him to the Chicago Bears because that's just like the thing um, now. But uh, or maybe a return to Boston to play for the Patriots. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, twenty-four to nine is a weird score. I don't think it's a scoregami. But shout out to the Saints. They they they're getting it done. Kissed. I mean, to your point, Sean Payton is is a wizard. Um, it is time for quick hits. We all mentioned Joe Burrow. Obviously, lost for the season. Just. Another unfortunate injury sustained by the NFL in 2020. I think this, you know, speaking matter of factly, puts Justin Herbert in the driver's seat for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Had a really great performance statistically against the New York Jets. Uh, the Jets now falling to 0-10, eliminated from playoff contention, currently hold the number one overall pick. Seems like that is going to hold. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to Joe Burrow. Pete, what else did you have uh, as a takeaway from the NFL Sunday? Yeah, I got a couple things here. Oh, First what a of shock. all, how bad do the Chargers just want to blow every football game? I mean, they almost blew this thing to the New York Jets. It's it's unbelievable, and I, I feel like I've been saying it each and every week. It comes down to coaching. I don't know how this keeps happening. They're lucky to have won that game. The Jets were f- like finding their way back into it, and they end up winning by the one score. I think the Detroit Lions, we, we touched upon this a little bit, but I feel like the Detroit Lions are having the worst possible NFL season that you can have for a fan and that you maybe really just want to see the team fail so there's no hope of the coaching staff coming back. I still don't think there is, but you want to be in good draft position and you're not going to be with the four wins and you have this embarrassing loss where you scored zero points and you have, what, uh, P.J. Walker throws two interceptions and you still lose 20 to nothing. And so, like, to me... That is exactly what you don't want to fan. I mean, you get to a certain point where if you're not having a successful season, you just want to lose all the football games. Maybe the NFC East feels that way. And then finally, and this we're going back to the Kansas City Chiefs. It all comes back around to the Chiefs, of course. A Travis Kelsey, a tight end. I mean, if you, you put Patrick Mahomes in that MVP race, he is in the mix, in my opinion, oh my for goodness. the offensive player of the year. Right now, it's Kelsey, 800, 896 yards as a tight end. He's within 20 of DeAndre Hopkins, another wide receiver. And so I think Kelsey is right there. Put Kelsey in the mix. We'll see what happens. I know you're thinking about Cook. RJ, Cook has had this tendency of maybe not staying on the field, not to say that an injury is going to happen. Let's see if Kelsey can work his way in the mix. Kiss, save us. Bench Carson once. Uh, it's time oh. it's time to start thinking about it because wow. Doug Peterson has said that they haven't even considered it. They are terrified to play their 53rd overall selection, Jalen Hurts. They're terrified because I don't think this was a pick that Doug Peterson was on board with. There is a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff in Philadelphia. They have no idea what they're doing, no unified front on any kind of messaging. This team stinks. People need to stop blaming Doug Peterson, too, for Carson Wentz's failures. Carson Wentz has a huge input on what the offense is going to be. And we've heard stories and read stories about him being hard-headed and saying, I don't want to run that stuff. That's full stuff. Well, buddy, you might want to run some different stuff. You might want to open up uh, open up your mind a little bit because the stuff that you like to run, you stink at this year. Oh, wow. This Ooh. is a bottom 32 quarterback. 
This is mm. not all Doug Peterson's fault. Doug Peterson hasn't been the wizard he's been in the past. He's also not been terrible. He is not breaking Carson Wentz on these basic, staple concepts that have worked for the Eagles going back to 2016. A lot of this is Carson Wentz's fault. It's time to bench him and then panic when it doesn't get any better with Jalen Hurts in there. That's my thought. You know, Doug Peterson's only only nine years older than Tom Brady. Maybe maybe she just put himself in the game. Anyway, um, Doug Peterson all- won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, <laughs> and everyone wants to hate him in Philadelphia. Now it's the craziest shift to excuse making uh, excuse making that I've seen. Nobody in the world, except for maybe Frank Reich, gets credit for that 2017 Super Bowl in Philly. Now it's uh, wild. Don't disregard John DiFilippo, Chris, please. Right, yeah. Doug Peterson actually might be a future and former offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm afraid to say, although that's not true because I'm going to enjoy it as a Cowboys fan, that it's only going to get worse for the Eagles. Their next four games against the Seahawks, on the road at Lambeau Field, against the Saints, and on the road against the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, Oh, God. Boys, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking about football after Dallas Cowboys win. Suddenly, life has purpose. Suddenly, uh, the sun is brighter. I hope your Thanksgivings are great. I know we already kind of, you know, gave this away, but what what dish are you looking the most forward to? Kiss, you go first. Ham. Come on, guys. What do you do? What do we do? Coming into the show, we we had joked about calling RJ the big ham because he always eats these ham sandwiches. That's right. I think we got I think we got a new big ham, and his name is Michael Kist. Now my so, wife my okay. wife makes a good enough turkey to where I'm really looking forward to the turkey. It's fantastic. But again, cranberry sauce that's 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 the main thing for me. You got You got to do it right. You got to have it out of the can. You do anything else, you're, you're lying to yourself. This is a football show. You would think that HGH would be something else, but really it's honey glazed ham on, on this show. <laughs> wow. My favorite side is sweet potatoes. You get some yams. You get some marshmallows. If you have a torch, you kind of burn them. If not, the broiler will work. Gross. Plenty of recipes online. Put that next to your turkey. Again, we're getting sauce with the cranberry sauce. Mix it all up. Maybe some mashed potatoes. Oh. I've already said uh, dressing, stuffing, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I'll eat it all. Yeah. Uh, We hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. Again, the programming will be a little bit weird on Friday following Thursday's NFL action, but there will be three games to talk about. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys are going to win really what what is kind of a playoff game uh, between themselves and the Washington football team. Uh, So we'll be here to talk about it. Subscribe. Leave a rating. Write a review. Michael Kist will go stand outside your house and throw up the X like Des Bryant himself. Everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving week. This was Monday Football Monday. WFT. Embarrassing. BGN.